right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are PS This Is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 205, and this is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash PS This Is Awesome, and visit our Twitter at PS This Is Awesome. And if you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PSN, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jakesaw01. And as always... You can write us. Write the show at awesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. Be sure to leave comments and rate the podcast as you see fit. And as a reminder, this is a video podcast as well. So you can tune in and check that out on our YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to that. And for new and or longtime listeners, we now have a Patreon. You can support our show at a $1 level called the one and only $1 Club. So head over to www.patreon.com slash PS. This is awesome. To become a $1 patron and get your free die cut vinyl sticker and a shout out on the show. And I want to preface this episode with I am recovering from the C virus. Jake had it last week. <clears throat> I had it this week. So if you hear me clearing my throat and coughing and all that stuff, I apologize in advance. Uh, it's just going to be baked into this episode. I'm not taking the time to edit it because I'm not back to 100% yet, but we are going to do the podcast regardless. So with that out of the way, Jake, how are you doing today? Pretty good. It's uh, It's been a day. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying a new thing. One of the things that COVID kind of did for me was made me appreciate the idea of just not leaving the house mm. and just because of work and stuff yeah. I have a hard time not I have a hard time with feeling like I haven't accomplished anything or like my day is not complete unless I've left the house to do something, <coughs> whether it's go to the grocery store or get gas or go to work right. or go to Home Depot or whatever it is. feels like I haven't done everything. And so one of the things I'm really trying to do <clears throat> more of is just stop trying to find other than obviously work, but stop trying to find reasons to leave the house yeah. and just spend time at home. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, because it's I mean, why waste the gas driving around and <clears throat> whatever. The silver lining is, is always what I try to point out to people. Right. And, uh, while that's not one for me necessarily, quarantine has been kind of miserable. Um, you know, I, man, I was, I've just been so fatigued and tired. Um, everybody has different symptoms like we talked about in the show, but mine are this, this cough, right? Um, my O2 levels are fine. So don't worry, listeners, everything's fine on that end. But I just have this cough that I just can't seem to shake <clears throat> and it comes back in, in the evenings and then I'll get bouts of absolute exhaustion, uh, where I just like, I took a nap today for a half hour because I couldn't stay awake. So it's just kind of weird, um, but I guess quarantine has offered me the ability to play. Play. Th- I played through a game here the last couple of days. Been off of work because I can't go to work with this shit in my system. But um, what I have kind of enjoyed is it kind of forces you to slow down. And I, you know, I didn't realize how much I had been doing. You know, the podcast. It's not the podcast is like the least of the things that I do, right? Do the podcast, work full time. I'm constantly like trying to write stuff for my my band. 
for the flood or rather for one of my land and we'd started recording and then on top of that i i've been gigging you know and stuff and then you know you're married you have obligations at the house and then in between all this stuff you know we have hobbies right like i like to do the board game stuff and uh the video game stuff and you know you have your things and it's just like man with all this shit it gave me excuse to say, forget about it. I'm not doing that right now. You know, what I mean? I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick up the guitar. I'm not gonna worry about one of my land finishing out those three songs that kind of need fine tune. I'm not gonna mess with that. I'm not gonna stress on it. I'm not gonna stress on booking stuff right now. I have a reason to not do anything, and everyone in the world is going to say, yeah, that's legitimate. That's that's a legitimate reason not to fucking do anything, and that feels nice. Because a lot of people can have opinions like, oh, that guy's just being lazy. That You know, you're just making an, up an excuse not to do stuff. Now, granted, you could do stuff when you have COVID if you're not feeling well. But, you know, it right now it's the most broadly accepted excuse to, like, put your feet up and just try to, like, relax a little bit. So I do so seldom of that. It's crazy. Even my hobbies start to feel like jobs. I don't know. Like, the music stuff definitely does at times. But, like, even, like, I'm trying to finish painting all those Hero Quest figures. Dude, I love doing it, but like it's it's at a point where like, dude, that game came with like a hundred and like seventy miniatures. So to hand paint every single one, like it's just like fuck, dude. I'm so close to finishing them. Um, I, I I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and they all look rad. They look so good right now, <clears throat> but it's starting to feel like a job. So to take a break from it was really nice, well needed. So that's the silver lining of coronavirus for me. Um, so maybe while it's not. Finding a reason to leave the house, it's being stoked to st- be able to stay home and uh, just have a reason to be at the house and not feel like I need to do shit at the house because that's usually my stomping grounds. So anyways, there's that, dude. It's been a pretty good day, though. Uh, <clears throat> I guess I'll just catch the listeners up real quick on what I've been doing with my downtime. Um, I started uh, season – I finished season one of Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Have you watched that show? Probably haven't. No. It's pretty good. Um, and then I started season two. Uh, and then we'll get into games that we're playing, Jake. So I uh, talked about how I have the C virus and you have had the C virus. But I... Don't call it that. What's that? Don't call it that. Well, the reason I'm doing just so... Call it, just say for, COVID. For two reasons. I heard that some YouTube videos are getting like flagged because they say they say it. They say it on the channel, and then they get flagged. Who cares if we get flagged? What are they going to do to us? Take our video Yeah, down? we're not spreading any kind of falsehoods or anything. But the reason I'm yeah. calling it C-Virus is because I played and beat Resident Evil 3, where they talk about the T-Virus. That was oh, my lead-in. <laughs> Jake rolls his eyes. Uh, you could watch it, folks, on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, so I, I played through and beat the Resident Evil 3 remake, and... Uh, it's incredibly short. I sent you... Uh, I tried to call you and you were busy, but then I sent you a text. I I beat the game in like five and a half hours. I couldn't believe how short this game was. I was like, this good. This can't be the end. It's a really good game. Um, I won't play it again. I, I'm glad to have played it. I played it. I bought it on the cheap on a Black Friday sale. Um, does it have like multiple players for different angles of playthrough like RE2 does? Or is it just the one... Spark. So you play Jill Valentine, you start as her, and then there is like a knight in shining armor that shows up, Carlos, and the game 
you don't get to pick. It just throws you as the story progresses. It throws you. It does like what The Last of Us does, right? It's like all of a sudden you're playing Carlos, and then after a while, no, you're it's all- not like it's a bit. It's not like at the beginning you get to choose which player you play as. Right, correct. Like RE2. Right, right. Okay. So unless I'm missing something, I'm pretty certain that that is the game. You know, that's that's it. I mean, you fight you fight the, the nemesis uh, three or four times throughout the, the game, and that's like the big monster that's kind of like constantly on your heels. It was good. What I really liked about it was uh, I think they were able to pump this game out so fast. It was because they, they clearly used the RE engine. Uh, you know, Resident Evil 2 remake came out, and then it was like a year later, Resident Evil 3 remake came out. And it was like, wow, how did they pump that out so fast? Well, the police station in Raccoon City is reused in Resident Evil 3. So that whole thing was already built. So they use it again in Resident Evil 3. Um, the exact same stuff. And it was actually really cool to come back to it in Resident Evil 3 and be like, oh, shit, this is the same police station. This is awesome, you know? So I actually really enjoyed the tie-in. I loved how the game's kind of like intertwined a little bit. Really enjoyed it. What else I uh, I did this morning? I started playing uh, the co-op Hazelight game A Way Out with my uh, friend and listener of the show, LJ. And uh, we got about halfway through the game. And uh, the game's really good, man. It's, it's more of a cinematic movie that you just kind of like play. There's really not a whole lot of free reign over gameplay. It's more so just following button prompts and going through it. And you can fuck stuff up and get in trouble and get hurt and get killed and restart and stuff. But it's very linear, even though it's two people. And the game, the way it works is it's a split screen game. So I can see his character and I can I play his mind. So even though we're playing remotely with one another, we can still see what the other person is doing because the game requires you to puzzle solve with one another and you almost have to see what the other person's doing to make suggestions on how to solve the puzzle. Like, oh, no, you should come over, go over to that place and I'll go to this place and then we'll do this at the same time. So, or, um, you know, like uh, the game starts as a prison break kind of game and then we're out of prison now in the game without spoilers and then we have a shared common goal outside of prison that we're trying to achieve together. So we're kind of on the lam with one another. Uh, we're running from Johnny Law, and it's it's pretty good. Like the the voice acting's good. Joseph Farris does a lot of voice acting for his own care. I know it's an older game. The graphics are good. I'm really enjoying it. He and I were are, are hopefully going to finish it up. It's it's apparently like maybe eh, six hours, seven hours to play. We got about halfway through this morning and uh, wrapped it up uh, around like one one thirty this morning. But. Um, or this afternoon, rather. But so that, that's that been going good. I did that. And then I did dive into Darkest Dungeon again. And the way this game works is, is some of the final... Like, every boss has iterations in Darkest Dungeon. So you go through the dungeons, and then you just kind of level up your characters. And uh, they get progressively harder. And then, you know, <clears throat> some characters won't go in the dungeon if it's, like, level 5 and they're level 3. They're saying, oh, I'm not... Uh, it's way over my head, you know. But some of the bosses start off easy as well. And then so it starts off as like the, you know, the lost profit. And then it's like the something, something profit. And then the blah, blah, blah profit. And then I finally beat the hardest profit uh, yesterday. And it's the gibbering profit. And he's a straight up badass and tough to fight. So pro tip, the way that I did it was I kept, uh, I used the, uh, uh, I believe it was the occultist and uh 
the other healer that's a woman character, and I, I use their spells to negate his damage. Uh, I just kept casting these spells on the on him. So because he has some maneuvers that you really can't dodge. So and they do tons of damage. So if you can get enough spells on him fast enough, you can reduce the amount of. Uh, damage it caused your characters and then over time you just whittle down his health so that was the trick is reducing his his ability to damage you because you're going to get hit and i didn't think about that i actually looked it up but it worked beat him so i have a few more uh fourth iteration bosses to beat in that game so um i got through one of the hurdles and it felt really good to beat him so i did that jake what what have you been playing over the week have you been doing any gaming or are you just looking at news or very little very little. I have been dealing with some stuff this week, so I haven't really had a chance to play almost any. I played a lot when I had COVID, but I didn't get to play much of anything this week. Yeah. Um, I played, I don't know, maybe a couple of, maybe two or three hours of uh, Death of the Outsider, Dishonored Death of the Outsider. And it was... It's good. I don't know. I'm kind of over it. And I don't know why. I think it's because I just don't feel like playing that type of game right now. It's really good. The <clears throat> game is really good. Yeah. I just I I have a problem with those games where I when I played the first Dishonored, I platinumed it. And one of the things you have to do to platinum the game is you have to beat the game, the entire game without ever being seen one once. <laughs> yeah, forget that. Or yeah. or without killing anyone. <clears throat> so and you you can still like knock people out and stuff. But like if you knock someone out and then uh I think even if like you knock someone out and their body's detected, you technically don't get the trophy. Uh, that's so so it's man. it's pretty wild. But since I did that, like I really enjoyed that. That was like my favorite way to play the game was to try to like get through it stealthy. Because the the combat's fine, <clears throat> but like you're not designed. The character is not designed for head on combat, so it's difficult. You either have to like run away and try to hide, and then you know come back, or you know it. So. Especially in this game, because you have a limited number of powers. It's not like in the, the regular Dishonored games where you can you can get these like really offensive powers. Whereas in Death of the Outsider, it's more tactical stuff like movement and uh, like spying and stuff like that. And so I have a problem where when I'm playing it, as soon as a guard sees me. I reload my save. Oh, man. As soon as a guard sees me, I reload my save. And I keep fuck because I, I can't, like, that's just how I play it. And so it's taking a long time for me to get through some of these parts of these missions yeah. because I want to get through it without being detected. And, you know, I'll, because, like, mm. it's, it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid where, like, think about Metal Gear Solid 5. In my opinion, it was the most fun to do those like bases and stuff and not ever get seen, like take everybody out with stealth, use like tranquil, the tranquilizer gun and like hide the bodies and yeah. like do all that kind of stuff. I really liked playing it that way. I was never like a run and gun kind of metal gear player. And same thing with this. 
And so it's just, it's becoming frustrating. So I just, I think what I'm going to do is I actually re-downloaded um, Outriders. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to jump back into that. Yeah. And I also have, I want to jump back into and finish off Forza Horizon 5. But yeah, no, I haven't really played a whole lot. Just I've been playing Death of the Outsider and I've been kind of him hawing about playing it because it's fun, but I get frustrated because I can't play it without, you know, being stealthy. Well, that's your own fault, man. But I know, but it's like, because the thing that sucks about it too is like, if you get seen, then you have to do this whole sequence where you're like running and hiding and stuff. Uh, yeah, and like, right. I don't right. enjoy that. You got to wait you know for the I cool mean? down so, period. Yeah. So for me, like, it's just quicker and easier to just fucking restart the <clears throat> restart the instance and then just, you know, because you can save whenever you want. So that's the one thing that makes it kind of easy. I say easy in quotes, but like you can save constantly. So if you have to reload, it's not like you're reloading a big section of the level. You can reload right before the encounter. So, you know, you're hiding in the air duct or whatever the fuck you're doing, getting ready to jump out and try to get through these guards. You can save right there. So if you get spotted, you just bang, start right over, bang, start right over. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really have a whole lot else to say on it, but it is – don't take that the wrong way. It's still really fucking good. It's just the way that my brain is working right now is not really jiving with it. Yeah. Nah, I hear it. That's cool, man. Well, let's. there's a lot of news to talk about. Why don't we just get on with that, man? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that actually has happened. It's It's been a really crazy <clears throat> news news week. And, I mean, we got we got to talk, talk about the, the first thing that everyone probably has already – drove into the ground and talked about but we need to offer our opinions on it and it's playstation related but it's 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 related in an ancillary way but also a very direct way but the news is the the focus like ground zero happened over at microsoft right so the big news that dropped is that micro microsoft announces um, their future acquisition of Activision Blizzard. And the deal is supposed to actually close in 2023. And at that time, uh, all of uh, the studios associated with Activision Blizzard will be reporting to Phil Spencer. So this is huge, huge news. It it hit pretty much every video game news channel. I forget what day it was. It was just this past week. Uh I was actually sick the day you wrote me. You were like, oh, my God, did you see this? And I'm like, yo, dude, I can't even think about it right now. It, so it was like a double whammy day for me because it wasn't it wasn't news that I wanted to hear. And uh, I didn't have my nose to the grindstone but uh, uh, or, or to the corn, I guess, or to the ground or whatever. Eyes on the corn, ears to the ground. I didn't have that situation going on. Uh, when this broke and you I heard it from you first so that'll go down in infamy is the day that Jake told me that fucking Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard <laughs> it just pisses me off nobody <laughs> saw this coming man and it's really wild um, Sony's stock went down considerably after this news broke which is crazy and uh, but the deal is apparently for 68.7 billion Dollars, And we had just got done talking about Bobby Kotick and how much he's worth, right? You and I, we were just talking about this last episode. Yeah, just about how much he made last <clears> year, 
or in 2020, I guess it was. So I, you know, this, the listeners, if you listen to the show, you obviously listen to other podcasts, I would imagine, related to gaming. So you probably already know this. But a couple things I wanted to talk about, Jake, was number one, why do you think that this occurred now than any other time? Do you think it's because of the issues going on at Activision? I wouldn't be surprised if it was at least partially because of that, because I'm sure Activision was looking for a way to maybe not necessarily rebrand, but kind of, you know, redefine themselves. Yeah, because the, it's the the issues have come out to have run so deep within that company that short of like a major rebrand or overhaul, <clears throat> it's not something that's would going to be easy for them to do and microsoft probably came in once all of this kind of started and was like hey we'll fucking buy you right and that means all of you guys can still become filthy fucking rich yeah because we're gonna buy you yeah for sure because bobby kodak literally so the sale is 68 69 billion dollars about yep Bobby Kotick still owns like 35% of Activision. Yeah, they said every share was purchased for like 90 some dollars a piece. So so that means that Bobby Kotick is going to walk away from this deal with 15 billion dollars in cash. Well, yeah, after taxes, sure. Or whatever the fuck they're going to do. It, yeah, so like <clears throat> so so excuse me like i said activision's like hey we need to rebrand we need to do something we need to get away from this fucking you know mm. pr nightmare mm. that is the all the sexual harassment scandals and all this stuff that's been going on and at the same time microsoft probably threw them a fucking buoy and was like hey we'll buy you we're gonna pay you less than you're worth but we'll fucking buy you. And the thing is, is that I guarantee you Activision's worth more than $70 billion. I don't know what they're worth, but, man. But I mean, like, this is the kind of this is the kind of stuff that, like, is so interesting. And it's like, I 100% agree with you that this isn't a coincidence that this is happening right around the time of all of all of the bullshit that's happening with the sexual harassment and, like, the boys club and all this stuff that's going on. With Activision, Bobby Kotick just being apparently a uh, complete asshat, right? Like that's that's the gist. It's like you know, and <clears throat> I don't I don't know a whole lot about that situation, but I would say that the gaming community largely falls on. I mean, no matter what your political beliefs are, that this guy has done a lot of shit that he shouldn't have done. So, I mean, it makes sense, man. M- money. You can throw money at just about anything and make things disappear. And, uh, and no, granted, it's not gone. Like, we, we know, like, you know, that the shit still, whatever happened to Activision Blizzard still happened. But, like, money can solve a lot of problems, you know. And, and it's one of those situations, unfortunately, it's the truth of the world, is that Microsoft's pockets are eternally deep. You know, I mean, they fucking have windows like we've talked about this, like they have so much money that like it's a concern of, of of mine. And I think a lot of people is like if they can't beat PlayStation by, you know, putting the time and the effort and the relationships into studios 
and kind of winning them over and just intrinsically in a natural way acquiring them and, and vetting them and making sure that the studios want to work with them. Kind of like how uh, PlayStation did recent Sony did recently with uh, House Mark, House Marquee or whatever you want to call them, or you know, Fire Sprite, they've done some stuff with them. They've acquired these studios. They're long standing relationships. These aren't these are people who exclusively for the most part have worked with Sony, but Sony just didn't pull the trigger and just say, Hey, we're gonna fucking buy you guys because we don't want Microsoft to scoop you up. They they kinda did it in a natural way. And it and what's interesting about this to me is that Microsoft seemed to be doing this in a completely unnatural way. In a way that's just like uh, you know, in Wayne's World, the movie The Wayne's World, Wayne's World, where like they have their studio bought out, and then they recreate Wayne's basement somewhere, and they start filming Wayne's World in like a studio, but it, and they're just like, "Whoa, Wayne, this is just like your bed." Yeah, this is really weird, Garth. You know, it's just like our studio, but it's not. No, it isn't. This is this is cool, man. Way cool. And it turns out, like, you know. <clears throat> They just got bought out because someone saw money in them, not because they really wanted, really cared about what the studios were doing. They just saw dollar signs, right? And they had this, you know, that Wayne and Garth got bought out. And they were underground dudes that just fucking sold out in a weird way and learned a hard lesson. But it's weird because, you know, I see it on the music industry front too, where like a lot of musicians now are turning down record deals because we have the internet. Like we don't, we don't need the fucking record labels. Like we need, we need a publicist to kind of get our information out there to put our music. So people know about us. We need good marketing people. We need a good marketing team. We need decent distribution, which you can get online. We need all these things in place, but we don't need a label to do it. Now we have all these third party people that can do this for us. And I don't know that I that it sits comfortably with me that Microsoft is just going to start buying big AAA studios because they can, and they're they're just this. In my opinion, this is probably I'd say that it is probably challenge. It would probably challenge for the worst thing to ever happen in the video games industry, and I'm not saying that because of you know oh. You know, Microsoft's going to win now. Because we're like Sony fanboys, right? It's just in general. To be completely honest, I literally don't care about anything that Activision has. I don't care about any of their games. I don't play Call of Duty. I You do like Diablo. Diablo is literally the only thing that they have where I'm (laughs) like, okay, I might not be able to play Diablo 4 on fucking PlayStation now. But, and, you know, that's sort of... You're talking about how the deal isn't going to close until 2023. Right. Part of me wonders if maybe a condition of that was Microsoft went to <coughs> Activision and was like, hey, we want you to delay Diablo 3 or Diablo 4 to 2023 so we can lock it down. Mm. And that might be the case. But to me, it's like the, the thing that's scary is that Microsoft is literally they're doing some good things for gaming. Like, I think Game Pass is is good for the consumer, even if it's not good for the market. And the problem is, is that Microsoft is literally paying to win. And it's it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, people always talk about how shitty microtransactions are in multiplayer games where you pay to win. It doesn't feel earned. This is, this is literally that on the business level. Like they're, they're literally paying to win. And, and I, because I, I think about it, and I'm thinking about think about Call of Duty for example. Call of Duty will sell, 
15 million copies a year. The if you sell 15 million copies for let's see here uh 15 times 60 if you sell 15 million copies of Call of Duty at 60 bucks that's 900 million dollars. Let's round that up to a <coughs> billion dollars a year. That's only if Call you only sell 15. I mean like what if they have a banger, right? So so let, but what I'm saying, what I'm driving at <laughs> is that Welcome to the PS This Is Awesome Patreon page. For those of you that don't know, my name is Fred Oakman. And I'm Jake Peters. And we're a PlayStation podcast currently in our 10th year. Our first episode aired in July of 2012, where we discussed and speculated on the arrival of the PS4. Over the years, we've used this podcast to take a break from adulting, share our love of video games, and in particular, PlayStation. The audio podcast is available on all major streaming services, and we have recently made the leap to uploading video content and video podcasting to our YouTube channel, as well as the very occasional Twitter post or live stream. Over the years, we have covered everything from PS3 to PS Vita through the launches of PS4, PSVR, and now PS5. As our audience has grown over the years, we have decided to start this Patreon with the hopes of creating a medium in which we can give you the opportunity to help support our show. And as a test bed, we're starting with a single tier. It's called the one and only $1 Club. So with your support at the $1 level, we're going to mail you a premium vinyl cut sticker and give you a shout out on the podcast. But at this time, unfortunately, we can only ship to the U.S. and Canada. But this is subject to change depending on your interest. So whether you're new to the show or you're a frequent flyer, we are forever thankful for your support and hope you can find it in your little gaming heart to join us in the one and only $1 Club. Until next time, like PlayStation, Podcasting, and Patreon, P.S. This is Awesome. Let's say they average a billion dollars in revenue a year on Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. That doesn't account for their cost in producing it. That doesn't account for their their, um, distribution. Their distribution and marketing. And the thing is, is that that number is actually going to be probably at least cut in half because it's going to be on Game Pass. Mm. So it's not going to be sold. And when you think about it that way, now they're making, let's just say, across all of their new games, just retail games. We're not talking about microtransactions or any of that shit, which I'm sure creates a lot of revenue. <clears throat> but if you're talking about specifically like Call of Duty and um, like Diablo and Overwatch and shit like that, you're, let's say they make $5 billion a year in sales revenue on games. That means that it's going to take you. What is that? Like 35, 30, 35 years? years? Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, it would be it would be less than that. It would be like like ten or fifteen years. To oh, you're right. Pay off what you, how you bought the the Activision. Yeah. Now I'm sure that like I don't know what Activision's annual revenue is. <clears throat> you might actually be able to figure that out. Um, Activision annual revenue. So. I don't know. This is in millions. So Activision's 2020 revenue was $8 billion. So that doesn't include, that doesn't take out any of their costs. That's literally 
their the money, just the money they took in. The gross, yeah. Even at eight billion dollars a year, it's gonna take them what is that, nine years to pay off the seventy billion dollars yeah. that they fucking spent on Activision. And that, like I said, that doesn't include any of their fucking uh, operational costs for those eight years. Right? It doesn't cover any of those for, for those eight years. So it's more. Or le- it's more than likely going to be at least double that or more. You're looking at now. Like maybe they'll 16... be able to. They have other studios yeah, so too, maybe... though. They got they got Bethesda and they well, have the Xbox Game Studios. So they they you know now they can wrap in their Windows money and all these other fucking things coming in, and they're just you know. I, I see well, what yeah, you gonna, mean, though. It makes sense what you're saying. They're going to pay for it. Yeah. They're going to pay for it with the other businesses within Microsoft. Right. right? right they're not right. going to pay for it with <clears throat> Xbox because Xbox is has never been a big earner for them. Right. It's like one of their – it's like their smallest fucking – No, Sony's still vertical. ahead of them in the video games but, world. But, you know, I, I don't know if you saw recently, like, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and kind of uh, – kind of wild is that phil spencer who is the head of xbox came out and said that basically said he didn't confirm it but he basically said that their goal their plan is to when the deal goes through they're still going to release call of duty on playstation they're not gonna they're not gonna make it exclusive i didn't see that yeah to be fair that's fucking smart because they're gonna release it on playstation they're going to make 70% of the profit when it's sold on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. PlayStation only gets 30% of that. And then, you know... Probably give it away for free on Game Pass, right, on Xbox. They give it away for free on Game Pass. And then sell so it to anyone who doesn't Sony, have Game Pass. And it, Well, that's the thing. And if, if Sony is still the market leader in consoles, then they'll sell, they'll sell it at a 70% um, you know, <clears throat> revenue. And yeah. then for... And if they're the console leader because of, you know, the industry shifts or whatever, then now they're going to basically drive up Game Pass subscriptions, Mm -hmm. which is what they really ultimately want. That's the goal. And and so, yeah, we have a we have a I don't know. To me, to me, I just worry about this and I worry about like the consolidation and the monopolization in the game space like Mm -hmm. it like this. It was cute. I don't want to say it was cute. It was a little bit nerve-wracking whenever Xbox bought Bethesda because it was like, holy shit, Xbox just whipped out $7 billion to buy mm-hmm. to buy a publisher. It was like, wow. But I was like, all right, whatever. Like, they didn't buy any of the big guns. It was like, Bethesda has a lot of shit that I love, <laughs> but it's not like, it's not like a, they're monopolizing the industry. Yeah. This, basically, they just, they exposed their hand yeah this is like the fucking you know this is like the the bad guy in the movie revealing himself you know what i mean it's like look i thought it was a little sketchy first right yeah and then you're like oh wait that guy just killed a puppy yeah he's a bad guy yeah yeah it's like i'm not i'm not to be fair i'm not saying microsoft is is a bad no but their intentions are clear their their intentions are clear they're trying to they're trying to be successful and it's just they're, they're doing it by potentially destroying the industry <laughs> and what be, in terms of like consolidating which kind of squashes creativity and all that kind of stuff and they're doing <coughs> it by literally just swinging their big fucking financial dick in Sony's face mm. just bam bam <laughs> and it's 
it's uh it's scary i mean and, and that's not even from because i have an xbox series s so I, don't, I don't give yeah. a shit i could play both of them it right. doesn't matter to me it's right not but like affect you but to me, it's like but it I'm worried about what it's going to do in the industry. Yeah. So what? So I've got two two things I want to say real quick about it. Um, first point I was going to say is, is is do I inherently believe that Phil Spencer really is uh, going to put a lot of effort into these studios when they get acquired? Hundred percent. I, I think that he actually cares. You know, he seems like a guy who cares about. Yeah, gaming. He seems like a good guy. He seems yeah. legit, and he seems like he's really trying to put it, put their best foot forward and work with Sony and work with these companies and just kind of like move gaming forward in a direction that he thinks is the right direction. His intentions, I think, are probably okay. Uh, you know, but we have to think about this on a long term, on a long term timeline. Right? What happens when Phil Spencer retires and gets replaced by somebody? And maybe that person's intentions by some Don Matrick type or something. Yeah, yeah. isn't like as like bad. we okay. Well, Phil said he was going to put Call of Duty on PlayStation, but you know what? Uh, not me. That ain't how I'm running this shit. I'm the, I'm in charge now, and I'm pulling all this shit. I'm pulling legacy shit. I'm doing all this shit, and I'm taking it away. And we are going to have a monopoly, and we're going to run it like a monopoly because we don't pay you know seventy eight billion dollars to not do that right so like it's interesting yeah and, and they're gonna start I mean, to be fair i was just gonna say to be fair if sony did this if sony bought activision they would 100 percent lock all these games oh 100 yeah now you'd be idiotic not to micro right but microsoft it looks like is gonna at least try to extend the biggest titles mm-hmm. to playstation as well and the one thing that i see is kind of a positive to this is it might and this I don't know if this is a positive so much as it's a curiosity to me, is that I almost guarantee you that Microsoft really wants to get Game Pass on PlayStation. Mm. And if and this, this is where I was gonna go with my second point. type of move to like force Sony into making an agreement with them. To be like, hey, look, you know, because it could be like you said, down the road, there might be a CEO that's like, hey, Sony, guess what? You can either let us put right. a version of Game Pass on PlayStation, or we can just fucking lock down Call of Duty. Yeah, and you pick. that's the line is drawn. Scary. You think the sand, line the sand is drawn now? Just wait until Phil Spencer's out of there, and the next person comes in. Do you think it's bad now? <laughs> just wait, because the devil you know. That's all I'm saying. The devil I like you to know. think that I mean they have a pretty good Microsoft seems to have a pretty good culture mm-hmm. within their their management. Oh and yeah, I'm not right shitting now. on Microsoft. So, I'm just. I've, yeah, my I, mean, I, just, I'm, I guess I'm. I guess I'm just saying. I would like to think that if Phil Spencer did leave, they would, they would ascend somebody within the company who probably has <clears throat> a similar sort of mindset. Because <clears throat> Phil Spencer <clears throat> really did save Xbox after Don Matrick totally fucking drove it into the ground with Xbox mm. One's launch. Mm. So. It's uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, we could literally talk about this fucking topic all night long. Oh yeah, we could. We I could. What I, if? What? Yeah, but I think yeah, the monopolization and, is. I think you hit it on the nose. Like, you know, because because this only means is EA next? Is uh, who who's the next studio that Microsoft's just going to sweep? Because because they're not yeah, they're I not mean, showing any signs of stopping, right? So there's going to be another one. Well, Activision is well. The reason why this part of the reason why this is so crazy is because Activision is the biggest. They're the biggest publisher mm-hmm. in the world. 
They because they it's not only just Activision, but it's Activision with Blizzard and King, who is a big mobile developer who we don't really care <clears throat> about. Crush and stuff, about. yeah. But like fucking Candy Crush alone is worth like billions of dollars. So it's it's pretty amazing. Like if if they bought what this says, and the reason why this is like you know that sort of dark shadow ascending on the industry is like if Microsoft can buy Activision. They can buy anybody. Yeah. Period. Oh, hundred, hundred percent. Here's here's the funny thing, and this is the last point because you touched on the will Games Pass now be coming to PlayStation. My last point, and then we're gonna talk. We're gonna name every studio now that uh, Microsoft owns real quick because I, I made a nice list of it, which is it's, it's jaw dropping when you hear them read out loud. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. my next point is this: Do you think the people at Bethesda are like, God damn it, like? We thought that they were only willing to spend like like. Do you think Bethesda could have ran that deal up a little higher? No, knowing that Microsoft wanted them so bad, what if they would have turned it down? Microsoft would have probably their their goal is to do this. So if Bethesda would have been more stubborn about it. They probably could have got ten, fifteen billion instead of the seven. They could have doubled up maybe. Like they're probably I mean, like, God, I mean, are you kidding me? Like we could have made more than that if they're going to throw sixty eight billion dollars to Activision Blizzard. Like we could have maybe got ten. You know, like <laughs> well, here, well, here's the here's the thing. You might be right, but my opinion on that is that first of all, Microsoft already overpaid for Blizzard or Bethesda because I don't know that Bethesda was necessarily for sale. <coughs> Microsoft came in and was literally just like, "Here's a fucking pile of cash," and they're like, "Okay, I guess we're for sale." Yeah. And the other part too was that they bought Bethesda during the peak of the pandemic. So, so, you know, there, there's a little bit more desperation there as Mm. far as the sale goes, but I see what you're saying. And it definitely could have been that if they had just held out, maybe they would have been able to secure a bigger bag, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing to think about, but like, really, this is, it's, it's really, to me, I think it's really interesting, but it's also really scary. Someone at work, I was talking to somebody, somebody at work about this Mm. and they were just like, like they were literally like, why doesn't Microsoft just buy Sony? <laughs> they, like think of, like literally think about it. Because if they spent that would be a monopoly. I would billion, think. If they spent sixty, well, that's the thing, right? Is they're real? They're already sort of tiptoeing a line with the FTC mm. buying Activision. So if they were to buy Sony, I mean that's just a straight up <clears> fucking monopoly. I mean technically they're still Nintendo, but they're not like really a direct. Com- they are a direct competitor, probably as far as the FTC is concerned. But as far as like everyone in the industry is concerned, Nintendo is not a direct competitor to Microsoft yeah. and Sony. They're competitors with each other. But Sony, I don't know off the top of my head what their net worth is, but I guarantee you that probably for maybe double or a little more than double what they spent on Activision, they could have just straight up bought Sony. Mm. And then they would have literally been the kings of the industry. That would have ruined video games forever. Well, because where's the competition? Yeah, I think. Yeah, you got to have competition. It would have ruined the console space. Yeah, because then it would have just been like, okay, everything's on Windows. Right, I want the listeners to know. I didn't say that because of being a Sony fanboy. Like, in order to to have better shit, you gotta have competition. You gotta have it. You, you really can't, do. You can't. You can't. You can't have like just one one player. You gotta have both. The rest. You know. Could you imagine if if the only studio we had 
was, I don't know, say Raven Studios, the only studio making video games. Can you imagine, like, they wouldn't be pushed to make better shit because you could only get your stuff from them. So what's it matter? Like, they're not competing with anyone else, so the shit isn't going to get better. So if now you could even bring that in to, you could even bring that in and say, what if the only, what if the the only studio or the studio that sold the most games was Naughty Dog? Yeah, Naughty Dog makes right now they make the best games on the market. Arguably, much. I mean, right? It's arguably right I mean, in terms of quality and what you get. Right, but. If Naughty Dog didn't have any competition, like, and nobody was was pushing them, yeah. like, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be as good. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be as good. Eventually, it would fall off. Like, if you think about it, Sony was top dog with PS2, mm. and Xbox was shitty. Sony, their head got too big for their britches. They released <clears> a six hundred dollar <throat> console on the PS3. Xbox 360 came out and fucking blew Sony out of the water. So Sony had to double back. <clears throat> And now with the PS4, they're like, okay, gamers, 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 games, 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 blah, 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 blah. And they're like, now we're the better console. And then right. fucking Microsoft sort of fumbled. Yeah. And it's like, you have to have this competition. And so it is A lot of that whenever. comes from earning it, too, which is the thing that sits yeah. so sadly with me with this Microsoft just paying to win. Like you said, I couldn't put it better. This is a thing that everybody's fighting about in, in the video game world. Like... You know, we don't want to be able to, like, pay to win. This is ridiculous. You know, they should get done, be done with that shit, you know? Like, it's not fair. And then Microsoft just turns yeah. around and pays to win. They just do it. It's so blatant. But let's talk about the studios real quick. I'm going to name off the studios real quick that are part, now part of Microsoft. Well, not 100% part of but after the Activision uh, deal is closed. So under Activision, they're going to have Treyarch, Raven, High Moon, Infinity Ward, Toys for Bob, Beanox, Sledgehammer Games, Blizzard, and King. Under Bethesda, they're going to have Bethesda, ID, Tango Gameworks, Machine Games, Arcane, Zenimax, Alpha Dog, Roundhouse Studios, and then the Xbox Game Studios uh, comprises of Rare, Double Fine, and Exile, The Initiative, 343 Industries, The Coalition, Turn 10, Mojang Studios, Undead Labs, Obsidian, Compulsion Games, Ninja Theory, Playground Games, and Xbox Game Studio Publishing. That is a ridiculous amount of game developers and studios. Like, that's just crazy. That, that, it's they're under, nuts. It's just crazy yeah, to think I, about. To say it I'm out loud hurts. I not count it, but it, look, it looks like, like <coughs> fucking 30-some studios or something like that. It's ridiculous, yeah. I mean, the only, like, if, <clears> if I were to look, in terms of Activision, we're not going to go through all the Microsoft stuff, but in terms of Activision, like, to me... The best studios that they have in terms of games that I've liked that have been made is Blizzard and um, Raven. Mm. Those two studios, and Blizzard has fallen off in recent years. Yeah, they have. They haven't really made a good game in a while, but Diablo 4 looks cool. And if it launches in a really good state, I'll be excited for it. But, you know, Raven which is a fucking top-tier developer, has just been relegated to doing Call of Duty shit. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm almost excited about with Microsoft buying Activision is maybe they'll go to a studio like Raven yeah, let them and develop like, something new, man. We know your chops. Go fucking make something awesome. Yeah. And they'll just go off and make their own shit again. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think we've kind of sort of wrung this out at this point, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's by far the biggest news of the week, and it is like I said, it's it's like the scariest thing to happen in the industry for a long, long time. I mean, it's because it's we don't know what it's gonna mean, yeah. right? We don't know what a what a. It, it's kind of like that, you know, 
I don't know if you want to call it an old adage. It's it's science, but like when you talk about ecosystems and when you just like let's say we're to kill off all of the bees mm-hmm. because you know we hate fucking bee stings, it would literally destroy the environment. It would change it as far as we know, what, right? Yeah, because of what bees do, we don't necessarily know what all would happen if if all of a sudden bees didn't move pollen around it would change. and all that kind of shit. But it would definitely fuck shit up. And so that's my biggest concern is that now that Activision is just and, and Microsoft has come out and said, yeah, oh, they're going to be autonomous <clears throat> and all this stuff and we're just going to own them. And but it's like this could potentially cause like cause shockwaves <clears throat> through the fucking and change the way that the games yeah, industry the, works. The topography. Of, and that's what's scary about yeah, it. this is just it's it's going to be essentially uh, terraformed. You know the way video, the video game landscape is going to be is being terraformed by Microsoft right now, one hundred percent. But all right, well let's well, move let's on. move on. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah. So uh, the PlayStation wrap up every every year. Sony tracks your stuff. They track your stats, and they uh, they tell you your shit. And uh, if you log into your Sony account, you can get your shit too. You can get your wrap up. Um, Jake, let's go over ours real quick for the listeners before we continue with the news. Um, it's always a fun review. We do this every year on the podcast. Uh, it seems like we do, and it usually incites some gaming conversation. And so we're going to talk about our personal wrap-ups, and then we're going to go uh, – they left at the very – like in between giving you your stats. They gave some stats about some PlayStation ex- exclusive games, and I thought that was kind of interesting. So real quick, they, the first thing they talked about were how many hours did we put in in 2021? Uh I, I weighed in with 526 hours, and then they break it down a little further. Uh, 272 of those hours, so about half, were spent playing PlayStation 5 titles. Um, and 254 of those hours were spent playing PlayStation 4 titles. And then one hour was spent in VR, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. That was probably the time it took you to set it up. Yeah, probably. So, Jake, I had 526 total. Uh, so I, Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, I guess I could read mine off. Yeah, so yeah. I have 330 hours. And one of the things I will preface on this show is that, like, while I was looking at my wrap up, I was like, man, I, I know I played more than that. Yeah. And I know, like, my game count is higher. And then, and I remember, oh, I played a bunch of shit on Xbox. Yeah, so, did. like, there's like probably half, I probably split, you know, half of my gaming between the two consoles. And I tried to play a lot of. <laughs> You know, third party stuff on Xbox so that it was applicable to the podcast and all that stuff. Yeah. Still. But so my numbers are going to be a little bit deflated just because of the whole the whole That's Xbox. Fine. Thing. Yeah, no, one, anyway, no one's judging. I played for. Right. So according to the the um, wrap up on PlayStation, I played 330 hours and 281 of those hours was on PS5 hmm. games. And 49 of those hours was on PS4 games. So if you compare, like, Fred and I in terms of what we spent on PS5 versus PS4, mm-hmm. Fred and I were having this conversation earlier about how Fred was like, I don't know if I played a lot of games that came out this year. Yeah, And then I was looking games. at my list and I was like, oh, I played a shitload of games that came out this year. Yeah, And so that's kind of indicative based <clears> on, you know, you can. I played most of my games were PS5 games. Yeah. At least on PlayStation. I'm, so, I was about 50 50, but you were definitely like 80 20. Yeah, something like that. So that's interesting. All right. So, uh, how many games did we play on our consoles this year uh, while logged into PlayStation Network? Um, I played 28 games. 
And uh, order from the most played to the least played of my list, uh, top five. Well, or, the top five. Yeah, top five. Right. And, uh, we'll start the number five was Destiny 2. Uh, number four was The Evil Within, which is hilarious because all I did was play that game and beat it. I didn't even like fucking – so I didn't spend a lot of tech time in that game. I just beat – it was a long game though. And that's the one you lent me. That was a PS4 game. Uh, number three was Darkest Dungeon, also a PS4 game. <clears throat> Nino Kuni 2 at number two. I put a lot of time into that game. That game's a bitch. Uh, I liked it. And then my number one game uh, most played was MLB The Show on PS5. And I guarantee that's where most of my hours went. Well, that's what it says it is. Do you, by chance, have your wrap-up open at the moment? I don't. Because um, I'd be curious to know what the hour count is for each. Because it tells you what the hour count is for each of those games. Mm. I'll try to and, open it up while you uh, look. Yeah. So, well, I'll, I'll just say mine while you're digging yours up. Mm-hmm. But uh, So, mine is, again, on PlayStation, I played 11 games, which sounds really low, but but apparently that's... I mean, I put 330 hours in 11 games, which means I averaged 30 hours per game, which is pretty fucking ridiculous yeah, if yeah, you think yeah. about it. But, uh... So, <laughs> my top five Man. games were... <clears throat> fifth most is... I I do have my, my thing up here, so... I pulled mine up, too, ahead. so we can get into the nitty-gritty if you want. Yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and just and just read off my um, my top five. So my top five was Ratchet and Clank was 20 hours, uh, Rift Apart, mind you, not the original from 2016. Then number four was Spider Man Miles Morales at 24 hours. Okay, yeah. Number three was Returnal at 42 hours. Ooh, all right. Number two was Far Cry Six at 51 wow, hours. Yeah. And number one was Immortals Phoenix Rising at 74 You hours. loved that game. I remember that. Yeah. I fucking love so that So I put yeah. 179 hours into MLB The Show, which is fucking insane. But wow, I did platinum it. Uh, I didn't even know I was playing it that long. It's one of those games that, like, I it just went, came and went. Like, a hundred, wait, 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 wait. 171 uh, of your 279 hours yeah. was MLB The 179 show? hours. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I didn't know that I played <laughs> it that long. all of your PS5 hours. I really had no idea. Nino Kuni took 48 hours of my time to beat. Uh, Darkest Dungeon, I haven't beaten it yet, but that's uh, 31 hours. The Evil Within took me 29 hours to beat that game, which is crazy. That, that game was like a lot, but I guess that's fine. Dude, that game was long. Yeah, it was. It was long. And then Destiny 2, I had 18 hours in that one. So, Right. Let's move on to the next category, Jake. That's interesting. <clears throat> and then trophies. Uh, I unlocked uh, 355 trophies, one platinum, 27 silver, uh, or 27 gold, 68 silver, and 259 bronze. Jake? Yeah, so this this is like I think this is kind of a little bit of the discrepancy between the two of us is that like it seems like you played more games but I played games more completely. <clears throat> yeah. So like this this kind of shows that even though you had a lot more hours and a lot more games than me, I had 291 trophies mm-hmm. which was pretty close to your 355 and a lot of that was I had 3 platinums, I had 15 gold, 40 bronze and 233 or, or sorry, gold silver. Gold, silver, and then 233 bronze. So, yeah. I, and those three platinums I got were in the my top five games. Uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, yeah. um, Ratchet and & Clank, and 
Miles Morales. Yeah, I, I did jump back into Ratchet, too. I didn't mention that at the beginning of the show. I jumped back into that to try to get some more trophies. I got a couple more. I didn't get all the Craig Bears. And I didn't uh, – there's a couple other things that I'm still missing, um, stupid little trophies that, that I didn't right. do. Uh, I could probably – I'm like 80% complete in that. I could probably get that plat if I wanted to. It's just uh, – I don't know. All right. Lastly, PlayStation Plus games. Sony offered 37 free games for PlayStation Plus. I have uh, claimed 36. And, Jake, it looks like you claimed 33 of those. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, but I guess I'm not really that surprised. It was probably a couple months where I looked at the list and I was like, I don't give a shit about these. And yeah. I, just, I usually claim them anyway, but I must have just forgotten. And it doesn't whatever. tell you which ones that you didn't claim, which is kind of weird. Right. But let's look at the fun stats real quick. And we're just going to run run through this real quick. I'll run through it real quick. We'll get on the next news point. Um, so fun stats for the PlayStation exclusive games in Death Stranding. 19 billion plus likes or shares of that game, I'm guessing, within uh, the ecosystem. There's 9.4 million deliveries made in Death Stranding. There's 45 million kilometers traveled and 55,000 total broken boots, which I Mm. don't know what that means because I've never played it. Returnal. Yeah. The most favored weapon was the Hollow Seeker. Interesting. And uh, 4.9 million scout corpses were avenged. And 12 million hours were played of Returnal. That's a lot of fucking hours. And then the malformed Kerbonics caused the most player deaths in Returnal. So whatever boss that was, or enemy that was. I got to... You look up, see which one that one was. And then I'll move on to Ratchet while you look that in. Uh, 34.6% of players unlocked all trophies in Ratchet, which means 34.6% people uh, percent of players got the Platinum. 26.1% found all the Craig Bears. 88.9% defeated Dr. Nefarious in Megalopolis. And uh, 67% of players met Kit. So... That's crazy. That last number. I want to talk about that. So who? Only sixty-seven percent. Yeah, you have to meet Kit to like beat the game. Yeah. So I don't understand like the completion of that game. It doesn't. That's not a number I would have put on this because it's weird. It's a weird statistic saying like not many. Like only a little more than half of the people that bought Ratchet beat uh, beat the game. It seems like. So that's a weird stat. But who who's the malformed Kerbonics? It's it's a it's a one of these bad guys that's kind of like a mini boss that you can fight if you go through one of the optional doors. Okay. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, he kicked my ass like every fucking time. Fair enough. Yeah, but he was op- it was optional most of the time, so I never really had to fight him. Killed the most players, huh? So there's a new trailer. Uh, next news point: new trailer for Uncharted: Legacy of Thieves Collection. And if you are just now getting into the Sony world, right? You just got your fresh PS5 recently. Maybe you were an Xbox person. You came over. Maybe uh, you have put gaming down for a long time and haven't played, caught up with gaming. Uh, The Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection would be the way to start into this amazing franchise that Jake and I both both really love. I I disagree. Oh, you don't you don't think it'd be a good way? If you have a PlayStation, I disagree. If you're on PC, it's your only option. Do it. What would you Just do play. if you had a PlayStation? If you had a PlayStation, buy the fucking Nathan Drake collection. Didn't they take it off? One through three. <clears throat> no, no. They only took four and and uh, <coughs> Lost Legacy. Oh, fair enough. Off of, off of the store. Fair enough. So play one through three and then four and 
Lost Legacy. Don't fucking start at four, which is the end. I of thought Nathan that the Drake's legacy uh, of Thieves was all of them, was it not? No, it's it's just four <clears throat> and Lost Legacy. Oh well, yeah. Play play the Drake collection. Correct. Play the Nathan Drake collection one through three because <laughs> you have to play those in order. You must. Yeah. Thanks for the correction. But on, but but they're releasing this on PC. Yeah. And the PC version does not on PC. You cannot get one, two, and three. But I but I heard so, that isn't the Legacy of Thieves supposed to run better on the PS5 than Uncharted? 4? I'm sure it does. Yeah, I, I would say I would say buy the Nathan Drake collection, which is one, two, and three, <clears throat> and then buy the Legacy of Thieves collection to, to get round upgraded. Out. Yeah, to round it off. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, if you haven't played those games, Jesus, what the hell are you doing? Like, if I could go play them. You know. Oh, if you purchase if you purchase the Legacy of Thieves collection, you get a free movie ticket to see the Uncharted movie. Mm. Interesting. All right. Well, hey, this is kind of interesting news, and I wrote up a little bit of a little uh, synopsis on what this means and what's interesting about it to me. So Deviation Games has expanded and set up a second studio in Canada. So the studio is partnered with PlayStation and their new game will be published as a PlayStation Studios title and it's rumored to be a first-person game. So Deviation Games was announced on June 10th, 2021 with Jason Bludel at the helm. Might be Bludel. I don't know. But he was responsible as campaign design director for Call of Duty Black Ops 2 and was a game director for Black Ops 3 and was also co-studio head of Treyarch studios until february 2020 when he left that studio so jason indicated recently that he wants to avoid in quotes the normal the boring the humdrum end quote with the new game uh that the studio is working on so i just think it's kind of interesting that this guy jumped ship from treyarch and came over to sony um and this guy i guess was however you feel about treyarch was was a pretty driving force over there if you liked the black ops games Mm -hmm. And uh, now he's working for Sony as a PlayStation Studio game under Deviation. And they opened up a second studio. So that means that they must be doing some shit, right, to justify another studio already. So uh, that's kind of cool. Any Anything on that? Yeah, that's, that is cool. I personally really did not like the campaign for Black Ops 3. But <clears throat> I am curious to see what he does because i think that sony really needs a game like this yeah and now deviation games isn't a first party studio they're just being funded in some capacity by sony which is interesting it'll probably be like a second party relationship which is cool yeah but yeah i think this is promising like even though i didn't like black ops 3's campaign (laughs) i think that it was still quality yeah so i'm excited to see what they end up coming up with Cool. That's a cool little news point I found, um, courtesy of Push Square, and then uh, kind of added a little flair to their little internet research for y'all. Um, so <clears throat> Ubisoft has fulfilled their commitment to support Watch Dogs Legion, and they are now no longer going to be supporting that game. What does that mean? Their commitment to who? Like, uh, to the they, fans. They, they said released? we were going to give you this DLC, that DLC, this many updates, and they've done it. Okay. And they're... Apparently, they're done with it. It's dead in the water. I guess there wasn't enough interest for them to kind of renegotiate and be like, not negotiate, but like make, you know, once in a while, studio will be like, wow, this is doing better than we thought. We're going to push this a little further and give you this or give you that. They said, hey, you know what? We gave you what we said we're going to give you. We're done. We're done. Right. So that's done. And then there's a rumor that after all the vitriol the new Battlefield game is getting, 2042, uh, that maybe... It's just going to end up going free to play. 
That would be really interesting if they did that. Yeah. I mean, they really dropped the fucking ball it's with shame. this game. I love this the but, franchise. Uh, and it's real it it is really a shame. But um I'd be cool. It'd be really interesting to see it go free to play. Maybe it is like a semi competitor to Warzone or something <clears throat> like that. But um mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I think it could be cool. Yeah, yeah. This last news point might not be the last news point, but it's getting close. Uh it actually is the last news point. Jake, this is some of the coolest things. This is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I don't know if you read this. So Sony has a game called Dreams, right? It is uh, released by uh, Media Molecule. Um, There's an artist who used PlayStation Dreams or is currently using PlayStation Dreams as a huge tool in the creation of an animated movie. And Sony Pictures Classics has acquired the rights to this movie. Um. Not because he wasn't entitled to the rights to do this, but because they believe so much in what this they're working on that they were like, listen, we want this. They bought it. So the artist, um, this artist has previously worked on a former Oscar-nominated uh, animation called Loving Vincent. And uh, the director, the writer-director, Alex Halfrecht, um, <clears throat> let me see here, uh, is directing this new movie... Uh, being developed in Dreams called A Winter's Tale. And as a side note, Dreams right now is only $9.99 on the PSN. And I'm seriously considering checking it out. And for those who don't know, it was made by Media Molecule, like I said earlier. And there was a ton, and still is a ton of speculation about this project and whether it was worth it for Media Molecule to go full in on this. Um, it's a game creation game. And it's a community-based uh, uh, game. So Media Molecule, of course, started off with Little Big Planet, kind of exploring user shared levels, and they've they've evolved to create this new game slash tool, and apparently it's it's really powerful. I recently stumbled on a thing where there was a screenshot, uh, where there was re- a recent shot in Dreams of Jurassic Park of the T Rex looking down and the lightning striking its face. Everyone knows that familiar scene. And there was a lot of speculation that some people couldn't even tell that it wasn't a grab straight from Jurassic Park. It looked that good, but it was developed in dreams. And uh, people weren't sure whether it was part of the movie or not. So I was 100% actually, Jake, considering when when they announced dreams, I think I told you that I thought it would be really cool to do a music video in dreams or to use video game footage to do a music video for one of my bands, one of my projects. I think it would be really fun to get in Dreams and just kind of dick around. And now that it's becoming apparent that it is a powerful tool, for $10, it might be kind of fun to jump in and mess around in. But I have no idea how rights work or how that stuff works. So if you are interested in this story and you want to check out some of the samples of some of the artwork that's going to be included in this movie, you can go follow uh, an artist working on it. His name is Martin Nebelong. That's N-E-B-E-L-O-N-G on his Twitter. He's posted some short mini video clips of him editing and dreams of some of these houses and different, uh, you know, renders or textures that he's using. And, uh, it's really, really freaking interesting to think that you can make an animated film in this tool on PlayStation. And, I mean, this 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 director uh, was previously involved in an Oscar award-winning animation, or nominee at least. And so, like, the legit people coming to Dreams to use this for their creative projects, which is just wild to me. It's pretty interesting, and I, I would bet that as far as rights go, I would bet that 
if you make something in dreams, <clears throat> like you have the right to that that IP or whatever, mm-hmm. but you probably don't have the right to sell it outside of dreams. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like like because it was created in dreams or whatever, like there's probably no way for you to export it as a movie and then sell that movie. Like you probably have, there's probably some weird red tape or something shit there. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it is, <clears throat> it is pretty interesting. And $10 is definitely enticing to just get in there and play around, pop in and just see what the hell is going on. I've never been able to like, um, I've never been able to to really latch on to games like this. You know, mm-hmm. I've tried like RPG Maker, I've tried Project Spark on Windows, like I've tried a bunch of stuff and I always just and even like something like a level designer, like something like the the level designer in the in Doom from 2016. Yeah. You know, it's all really powerful and you can do really creative stuff with it, but the process of creation is so tedious on a console using the controller to do all this stuff yeah. that like, I just, I just get, I'm like, ah, I, I just get, it feels cumbersome at times. Yeah. But, but I do, but that does, I don't want to take that away from the fact that I do think it's very cool. Yeah, it's cool. And, and another thing for the listeners to point out is it's not just a game creation tool. So you can go in and play anything that was made by anybody else. Um, so that's what's cool about that's what was really cool about Little Big Planet, or uh, it was Little Big Planet. You can make levels like that. Yeah, you can go into the, just go explore, and then you can sort by rated items. So the stuff that's rated really high, you know, is going to be top level, and then you know you can share your thing. And, and and when you're building games, the longer a game like this exists, assets that other people design. You can just use a search word and say like trees and then it gives you like a bazillion different trees to pick from to put in your world that other people design. So if you're not really good at designing stuff, you're not artistic in that way, you can use other people's assets to create your own story, which is kind of really cool. Um, so I don't know. It just seems like it's just going to com- com- just get better and better the longer it's out. Yeah, it, it, it very well might. I mean, I think it's really neat. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I wish Sony would put it on PC because I think it would it would thrive there. And uh, I, I don't know. I wish they would give you a, the ability to be able to sort of release the games that you make in Dreams outside of Dreams. Like I should be able to make a game in Dreams and then sell it on the fucking PSN or on Steam or something without shit. having to have Dreams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But <clears throat> I digress. They could even have a whole separate storefront. Yeah. That you could buy games that were made in Dreams, but. You don't have to have dreams to play them. <clears throat> I still think a music video made in dreams would be so rad. It'd be cool. You could do it as it long as you're not selling the video. Yeah, well, you'd have to you have to come up with the concept. But yeah, it would be cool. Yeah, I just don't know how. I'm tempted to pick it up for ten bucks just to see what I could do with it. All right. Anyways, uh, Push Square had a general PlayStation quiz. We like to do these on the show, Jake. I figure it's a special show. Do you want to do this real quick with me, or do you want to pass? Well, it? I was actually just wondering because we still have to do our our game of the year picks. <clears throat> Maybe we save this for next week. Do you want to save the quiz for next week? I mean, unless you think that it's time relevant, I don't know that it really is. I don't know that it is, but, but I like doing them. I won't look at it. If you promise not to look at it and cheat, we can do it next week. No, I'm not going to look at it. So, yeah, we can certainly... I mean, the listener will know if we get fucking 10 out of 10, we probably cheated because... Don't say that because you're going to jinx us and we're going to get 10 out of 10. 
I think there's actually 15 questions. So let's wait till next week to do that. Just remind me to put it on the show notes. We'll do that for the listeners next week. If you want to take the quiz over at Push Square and see how you do, it is available there. And uh, you can compare your answers with Jake and I next week. So we're going to move on with the show to the – trying to keep the show around about an hour apiece. So – We're going to talk about our game of the year, which is a game that came out in 2021. And then we're each going to have our game of the year that we played. The rules are that Jake and I had to have played it. And then we're going to offer a follow-up, like a a runner-up, right? So I didn't play a ton of games in 2021. And then we're going to talk about just a game that we played this past year, which was kind of a surprise or an unexpected good time, the number one and then a runner-up. So let's do that. Jake, I will start with uh, my game of the my run my game of the year. I'll just come out and say it, that I can't that I played twenty twenty one. Do your runner up. Do your runner up. What is this? <clears throat> what kind of no one's gonna give a shit about your runner up. All right, so the runner, runner up, up first. Start the runner up. All right, fair enough. My runner up was Kena Bridges Spirits. All right, that came out in twenty twenty one. I liked it. It was a good game. Uh, it was one of the few games in twenty twenty one that I played. And uh, I liked it. That's all. It's a runner-up. It's not my number one pick, but it is a game that I liked. Jake, what's your runner-up? So my runner-up for 2021, and I'm really bad at organizing like games by preference, especially if it's games that took like, excuse me, that I played like eight months ago. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But like my runner-up, so I just kind of I did my best. <coughs> excuse me. And there's like a million other games that I could have picked, but my runner-up is Returnal. Yeah. And I just, you know, I know that people have a lot to say about the save system and all that kind of crap or whatever, whatever, whatever. The the technical issues at launch and all that. But I'll say this. It's fucking unique. It's the ga- the moment-to-moment gameplay is some of the funnest third-person shooting gameplay yeah. I've played in my whole entire fucking life. <clears throat> I'm kidding. And... The, when I beat it, I was so – it was almost like a, the Dark Souls effect where I was so, like, excited to have beat the game and, like, learned and got through and beat everything that uh, it really kind of made an impression on me. And the, the atmosphere in the story was really cool, too. And this was Housemark's first three like, uh, third-person game. <clears throat> there, It was Housemark's first, like, quote-unquote AAA game, and I think they did a pretty good job. I hope – I'd like to see. I would like to see how they iterate on this. Yeah. Hopefully, with no, something that's not roguelike. I think they're going to they're going to iterate on it with an expansion. But uh, that is, that aside, um, let's move on to our game of the year, Jake. Game of the year. This game was released in 2021. I played it and I liked it better than Kena. That's all I have to say. Ratchet and Clank are ripped <laughs> apart. And I will note that MLB The Show 2021 is not on this list. That game came and blew past me so fast. I don't know how I dumped 170 hours into that game because it didn't even cross my mind that I played it this year until I saw the trophy list. So MLB the and show it was you wouldn't you didn't consider it as no, one of your games. As no, no, there was nothing special about it. It was just baseball. But you played it for 179. It's just baseball, man. That's all it was. That's how good that. That's like a. It's like a really good soundtrack. You shouldn't notice, right? Like if you're making a game about baseball, there should be nothing about that game that's like, holy fucking shit, that's amazing. If you do it right, you don't even think about how good it is. It's just. It's just done right, right? So it didn't cross my mind because it's good baseball game. It's just good baseball. That's all that game is, and you can rely on it every year. Anyways, Ratchet and Clank, my number one game. I loved it. Man, it was good. I was a little confused with the story because I played it kind of intermittently and the time travel and all the the Dimensionator and all that stuff. 
ultimately, man, this game was sweet. It was good. Uh, I think going back into it this past week to kind of pick up a couple trophies reminded me how pretty the game was, the graphics, just how much polish was on this game was just, it really was a nice showing for the PlayStation 5. And uh, it was a great experience. So I thank Sony for it. Jake? All right. So my 2021 release (coughs) that I consider to be my game of the year and I don't know if this is going to be surprising or not. I'm like looking at the list right now, and I I think that it is that it's a good choice, and that's Psychonauts two. <laughs> I really liked that game. It is a little. Surprising. It was so good, and it and it's uh, you know I have a bunch of other other games on here that I definitely could have picked. To me, I didn't think that 2021 was a very strong year in terms of like the games that were released. There wasn't anything that came out that like fucking blew my brain. It it was there were a lot of good games, but not a lot of like games that were just amazing. And I think that Psychonauts 2 was just one of those games that just it's very it's a very heartwarming game. The way that the artworks in the game, the music, the <clears throat> characters, the way that they show and portray, um, you know, your mental faculties in terms of things like depression and mm-hmm. and anxiety and and all of that kind of stuff. It's it's really really a good game, and I and this is probably going to be the last double fine game we get on PlayStation because Xbox owns them now. Yeah, so. If you have any interest at all, I would highly suggest you go play Psychonauts 2 because you can play it on PlayStation and uh, you just might not ever get Psychonauts 3. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. That's a good pick, man. Um, forgot that game came out this year. I never played it. I know some people did uh, and really enjoyed it. So uh, you're not alone on that. Um, so games that we played in 2021, which did, which didn't necessarily come out this year, but we played, we picked up, we got them, we played them, you and I played them, and uh, were surprising in, in, in an unexpected better time than maybe we thought, or uh, they kind of gripped us in a way. So my runner-up to this, and uh, I, I don't believe it came out in 2021, I think it came out at the end of 2020, but my runner-up is Cyber Shadow. That platformer, mm. I checked my trophies, I... I Pretty much played this game in January 2021, and uh, man, what a what a damn game this game was! Such a good side-scrolling game. I didn't know if it was what I needed at the time, and I remember even being on the show just being like, I didn't. It, it kind of re-itched my itch for like uh, good 8-bit, 16-bit, whatever side-scrolling games, and it's when I kind of got back into Castlevania after playing this game and played a couple of those games and. Man, Cyber Shadow really, really did something to me. And and what a fantastic game. Just the, the, the difficulty was on point. It was hard for a lot of people. I enjoyed the challenge because I knew I could get through it. I posted a lot of uh, how-to videos of how to beat the bosses in this game. Got a lot of views on them, actually, on our YouTube channel. So I uh, even beat, had a flawless victory on one of the bosses, uh, surprisingly. But, yeah, man, Cyber Shadow was a fantastic game. And I'm looking forward to seeing if they do a, a part two or not. So I hope that they do. The music was incredible also. Just fantastic music. Jake, what was your runner-up? Yeah, Cyber Shadow. I played Cyber Shadow. Yeah. I didn't beat it, but I, I played it up until um, that battle with the fucking snake in the water. Dude, that's the flawless victory I had. Yeah, yeah. So 
So, and I just, I, I started playing something else and I just fell off with it. That was but a really hard boss. It is a really good game. And I think that it's an awesome, like, revision, like, not revision, but like a revival of, of, a, of a Ninja Gaiden type game. And I think it's really good. It's a tweet game, uh, man. Fine-tuned. So, my runner-up for games not released in 2021 that I think was amazing is a game that unfortunately you cannot get on PlayStation. Oh no. But it is they announced that it is going to be released on PlayStation. Okay. It just hasn't been released yet. And that is also a ninja game called Katana Zero. Oh. And Katana Zero is essentially like Ninja Gaiden meets Hotline Miami. Oh yeah. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I haven't played a game like literally <clears throat> The first time I played Hotline Miami, the first Hotline Miami on Vita, like how crazy of an impact that game made on me and how awesome it was and what a crazy, awesome experience. Like how this, how everything from like the, just the frenetic gameplay to how just adult and psychotic the story is. Yeah. Like exactly the same. In Katana Zero. It's just, it's so fucking awesome. And I really cannot wait for this game to come out on PlayStation so that everybody that listens to this podcast can, can try play it. Because it. it is so good. <clears throat> it's side-scrolling. It's not top-down top down like Hotline Miami is. But it's similar in that it's like, remember Hotline Miami is very like fast-paced. You have to like kill the small, guards. Yeah, small levels. Die and like, yeah, it's, it's very, very fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, that's my runner up for games not played in 2020 or not released in 2021, but that I played your first experience with them was 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, so my, my, uh, number one game, my first experience in this, in this game world talked a lot about it on the show. It, It should come as no surprise. It was not released this year. Darkest dungeon, man. Uh, whoo, this game. I, I, if if you're at all interested, man, it is. It just really is something special. Just the tone, everything about this game. Did you try? The, have you tried this game yet at all? I haven't, but it's on Game Pass, so I'm tempted to just download it and try. Dude, just get it because it. I don't. I don't have to pay for it, you know. So, well, other than my it'll get its hooks in, yeah, man. I think it will. It's so I, good. My my problem is that like recently, I've been more interested in playing games. Mm-hmm that aren't going to hamper me with things like cyclical playthroughs, like roguelikes yeah. or like fucking permadeath <laughs> and all that kind of this shit. This has a bit I of that. Darkest, Darkest Dungeon is, has the, the permadeath and all that. And, you know, you have to be very careful about <clears throat> how you use your characters and everything. And I'm just at a point right now where I don't want to play something where I just have to constantly worry about losing. Where the all ante my is so high. Well, this game opened and, up a lot for me, man. Yeah, I appreciate what you're saying, uh, but I really would recommend you to try it at least. I think there's a lot of there's a voice actor in this game named Wayne June, and he actually does narration. And uh, I took a trip to North Carolina, and uh, had I not played Darkest Dungeon, I would never known of this guy. And this guy did a lot of H.P. Lovecraft narr- uh, audiobooks. Uh, kind of, so you can find him narrating H.P. Lovecraft novels or short stories, and uh, he's got the perfect voice for it. If you look too hard into it, I think he's done some erotic stuff, so don't be turned off by that or turned on by that. Maybe if you catch my drift, 
but hey, uh, you can, hey, if you can be fucking turned on by it, if you want, I mean, you can enjoy. We're not judging. However, you want. Yeah, we're not no judging. But but he also does the 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 voice in Darkest Dungeon, and he has a fantastic voice. So I. I, this scratched my hero quest itch a little bit. Uh, just the nature, the dungeon crawling, the the really interesting delivery of the game, the art style, the voiceover, the grittiness, the Lovecraftian worlds. Like it's just so good. It's, this game is just so good, and they're working on a Darkest Dungeon two. I, I would assume, and I'm just red hook studios i'm just waiting for it i i can't beat the first one but i still just come back to it and i just keep playing it because it's so good like i don't even care if i win or lose like it's just there's just something about the game that like it's like the cover of resistance 3 there's just something about it i can't put my finger on why i like it so much it's just the perfect thing it's like it was just done it's just done right you know it was just done right aesthetics the aesthetics of the game are awesome. Yeah, I will. I will give you that. Like, I haven't. Like I said, I haven't played it yet, but I've I've watched some stuff about it. Yeah. And I've looked at screenshots and stuff. It does look like an awesome. Like visually, it looks very. Cool. Yeah, it's just there's something that's just very uh, gripping about it. It's kind of macabre a little bit, you know, morose. It's got like the dark, the dark side of things. Um, I'm attracted to that. The grim. You know, but it's there's light at the end of the tunnel when you play this game. It's so fun, and and getting past some tough levels is very rewarding. The torch system, the light system, keeping your torches lit, the meal system, the the, the campfires and the dungeons, and like the, the the different players' quirks and abilities, and then going back to town. And there's an old game called Heroes of Might and Magic, and uh, it has a bit of that. Like you go back to town and your different buildings, you can level them up, and based on what you do, you get you can unlock different quirks for your characters you, you go to the dungeons you pilfer you find treasures you find traps you bring it back you use it to, to make your army better to go back into the dungeon it's so fun it's so good it's it's just so good darkest dungeon check it out jake what's your number one so my number one which should be no surprise to anybody <laughs> is immortals phoenix rising yeah yeah <clears throat> and i i'm not gonna dig too deep as to why I like it on here, because I talked about it ad nauseum on those episodes early in the year. I actually started. There's a takeaway video. There is a takeaway video on our YouTube that I did on the game. Um, That tells you how much I liked it. I wanted to do a review because I (laughs) typically am not really all that interested in doing them. Um, But uh, the thing about Immortals Phoenix Rising is I started playing it on New Year's Day of 2021. So I literally started playing it the first day of 2021. Mm. And I was like, when I was looking through my games, trying to figure out what I'm going to do for game of the year and stuff, I was like, there's no way I played this in 2021. Cause I know it came out in the fall. It came out. It was a launch game with the, the console. So <sighs> I was like, I didn't. And then I looked it up. I was like, sure as shit. It was like the freaking first game I played in 2021. Yeah, Cause I was doing and- cyber shadow and you're doing that. Yep. Yeah, and I played it all the way through to the end. I platinumed it the first time, my first mm. playthrough. It was just, it, it's a Ubisoft game, so it does have like that formula a little bit, but there's something just really charming about the characters, the Greek mythology, like the more like cartoony sort of aesthetic. It's not like Fortnite cartoony, but it's still like a little bit cartoony in terms of the way that it's aesthetic works. I just, I love 
the <clears throat> just irreverent nature that they give, like like how they portray the the Greek gods and all of that, yeah, yeah. and and the combat is like simple, but it's also it can be complex and it's fun and some of the platforming can be challenging and but it's also really fun to be able to move around in the world and i don't know i i I, like i said i don't have to go too deeply into it but it's just i don't know i i think that the game is just super rewarding to play and i'm really really stoked on it and i really really hope that ubisoft makes another one and i don't know what they're gonna do and, and it, it is entirely possible that if they make another one that's not also part of Greek mythology, <clears throat> that like I might not like it as much because it might not be this. It might not hit the same, right. you know. But I, uh, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe it does because they did they did release that DLC that was like Chinese mythology for it, mm-hmm. and I never played it. That doesn't mean it's bad or good. <coughs> I just never got around to playing it because I didn't want to pay for the DLC. But. Uh, I might jump back in. I don't know. It's been a long time, so we'll yeah. see. But yeah, <clears throat> my number one game of 21 that was not released in 21 was Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah. Did you ever play Kena? I never asked. I never did. Okay, no. so that I, wasn't I, even I on your... It, I just never got around to it. It wasn't even an option for you to pick that one. Okay. So let's get into new games real quick. Some of these we discussed last show. We're just going to rip these off real quick and end out the show. It's a longer show than normal. We hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, by the time you hear uh, the next episode, I hopefully will not be coughing this way. Um, my game plan is to be in better health. So we'll see what happens. January 18th, River City Girls, Tanks vs. Tanks PvP, Queen, Queenie Army. January 19th, this has already all come out. Dismantle the Enigma Machine, January 20th, Downslope, Hitman Trilogy, Pyramid Quest, Rainbow Six Extraction. We did talk about some of these, but they added to the list. RP Golf Legends, instead of RPG Golf, is RP Golf Legends. Windjammers 2, January 21st, Donut Run, Kinduo, My Friend Peppa Pig, and Phlegathon. So there you go. They're the games that are out. By the time you are listening to this, the new games on the PSN, you guys can check that out. Thanks again for tuning in to episode 105 of PS. This is awesome. We don't have a closing music track. If you guys want to submit a song to the show, it is uh, PS. This is awesome at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe up there. All that good stuff. We love you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Stay safe out there. Be healthy. And, uh, what was the thing? Turn off your phone, turn on your PlayStation. I think you said that, or we said that on the show at one point. I love it, so we're going to keep it on. Uh, so, like Overwatch, Overcooked, and Outriders. P.S. P.S. This is awesome. This is awesome.